Hey Dragons, welcome to a special Monday episode of the podcast. This is a really special fun episode because I brought in four of the bloggers on the Dumbbells and Dragons blog to discuss our reactions to Captain America Civil War. This episode is spoiler heavy, so if you haven't seen it yet, go watch the movie, come back, listen to us, or if you don't care about spoilers, or you've seen the movie, keep listening. If you disagree or agree with anything we've said, we would love to hear from you. Go ahead, leave us a note on iTunes or on social media. We're everywhere at Dumbbells Dragon. Uh, let us know if we're absolutely insane or if we nailed something absolutely on the head. Until then, work out, nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice. Hey Dragons, welcome to another very, very special episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. We have gathered four of the contributing bloggers for the website to talk about our reactions to Captain America Civil War, so we're very excited to bring this episode to you. I do want to give everybody a warning, this will have lots of spoilers, so if you don't like spoilers, Joel Chorney and you haven't had an opportunity to see the movie, turn it off now. Now, everyone wonders why I was making fun of Joel. It's because he thinks that the spoiler rule should apply to everything until he's seen it. <laughs> so We love you, Joel. Yeah. So, real quick, let's everyone give, since no one else has heard your guys' voices before... Um, let's do a little bit of an introduction. We're going to go Rachel, Karen, Taylor, Mike. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Rachel Bolin. Uh, I write for the blog, obviously. I do mostly movies and TV uh, stuff. You probably have read my Game of Thrones recaps. You may have read my Civil War preview that came out last week. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm Karen Young. I am very new to the blog. I have two posts up right now. I'm focusing mainly on comics because that is what I read a lot of. Hi, I'm Taylor Ullery. I also focus a lot on comics because they're awesome and why not? I will hopefully in the near future be talking more about Phoenix Comic Con as I'm local to the Phoenix area and also work with them and just kind of how that all relates to nerd culture. I'm Michael Ebel, and I write the Dungeon Master's Corner for the blog. Which is super cool, and it definitely wants me to get into role-playing. The whole point. All right, so let's begin. First of all, I think we all liked the movie. Did anybody not like the movie? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> That's a good sign. Yeah. All right, so... What was everyone's immediate reactions? Rachel, go ahead. Okay, I loved this movie. And also, I've seen it twice, which is just so nerdy. I, I saw it opening night, um, the earliest showing. We had a really great theater. Like, everybody was very, uh, very involved, a lot of clapping and yelling throughout the movie. And then I saw it this morning at, like, 10 a.m., obviously a little more subdued. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
like I wanted to clap again when Black Panther came on the screen and nobody else was into it. I was like, all right. Um, but but no, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I will say that on the second viewing, some of the weaknesses in some of the plot points did shine through a little more for me. But the first time watching it, it was just so much fun. I just I like every time they switched scenes, I was like, what's going to happen next? What's going on? And, and I really I didn't know what how it was going to end. I, if you read my re- or my preview, I really thought somebody was going to die. So I was really excited to see that they didn't kill Tony or Steve. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to we're going to have to differ on that uh, when we get <laughs> we, uh, things that we wanted to see changed because I was mm. I was itching for somebody to die. Oh, God, that's terrible. Well, I, wanted, I was stupid. I wanted Bucky to die. Let's, I'm, that's oh, my thing. Well, first of all, he still has six movies left on a nine-movie <laughs> contract. I didn't know about that until I listened to this week's podcast that um, where you had on Edward Pulley, and you mentioned that, that he has nine movies that he'd signed up for. That's ridiculous. Well, the reason for that is when they he signed on to do Winter Soldier and the other movies... Chris Evans was like, I only want to do three, and then I'm done. So they, for all intents and purposes, this was supposed to be, uh, Steve was supposed to die, and Bucky was going to pick up the shield. But, but then all of a sudden Chris Evans is like, no, maybe I could do more movies. And so they're like, well, now we have to rewrite our entire plan. <laughs> I, I actually think he's only under contract for one more. So I think he's actually going to die in Infinity Wars Part 1. That would make sense. Yeah. And and so then Bucky's going to pick up the shield for Infinity Wars Part 2. Or Anthony Mackie. Yes. Yes, I would vote for that. I would like to see... Falcon, Captain America. Yes, I think that'd be very awesome. All right, anybody else's thoughts on what I just said or what Rachel just said? So when, Rachel, when you were watching it the second time, when the big reveal for Black Panther came out, no one in the theater was awed or shocked or anything like that? So... Nobody was shocked when I saw it the first time. Like, as soon as the actor shows up on screen, people start clapping. Like, everybody knows, like, oh, this is going to be Black Panther. So when the reveal happened, nobody reacted Thursday night. Um, But this morning, I mean, no reaction ever. Like, we barely got laughs. We barely got laughs out of the Spider-Man lines and and the great interactions between Bucky and Falcon. Um, I was really expecting more people to be, like, into it. But, again, it's... 10 a.m. on a Sunday, so I guess it's understandable. <laughs> Karen, what did you like best about it? My immediate reaction after leaving the movie was, holy crap, I'm excited for a Spider-Man movie, which I <laughs> never thought that I would say. Like, I am so burnt out on all of the Spider-Man origin, everything, and I was like, I will go see that movie. So kudos to them, because I really didn't think that was ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this version of Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly left the movie going, Toby who? Yes. <laughs> well, part, they, did, they did such a great job of not doing anything with his origins. Like, okay, he's already Spider-Man. Right. The background's done. Like, let's just jump into it. And, like, that's what we want because the origin story has been played out so much. We don't need another one. 
And they did such a great Cliff Notes version. Like, we all know that you know who this mm-hmm. is. We're just going to go right to it. <laughs> exactly. And and Marvel has said after Doctor Strange, they're not really doing any more origin stories. In fact, even in this, you have a very abridged version of Black Panther's origin story. Right. Because it's no longer needed to tell a good story. I like that. <laughs> I would have liked them to focus a little bit more on the coming of age, going from prince to newly crowned king. Uh, I did kind of like the knee-jerk reaction of just going after vengeance, but at the same time, I just wanted a little bit more of the Black Panther development from that prince to king type person. Yeah, and I think we're going to get that in his movie. Mike, what what, what are your thoughts? What were some of your instant reactions? My first reaction was just to be impressed that they pulled it off. It was just kind of like, a, wow, they they did it in the sense that they had to do... This movie does so much, and it actually de- has so many characters in it going in. I thought there's just, there's just no way they can introduce two new heroes, Spider-Man, Black Panther, and actually address all the people they have on screen. I, I, I still don't really fully understand how they managed to do it, but I think they did. And, and there was actually character... In, in the characters that had more than just one scene, like Spider-Man, there was actually some decent character development. You see Black Panther go from this guy who's all about vengeance to when he decides not to kill Zemo. Yeah. Yeah. And I they- think I think that's really interesting because then when you look at how many characters were in this movie? Like, upwards of 12 or 13? And DC with Batman vs. Superman couldn't do it with the <laughs> oh we, we could spend an entire hour talking just about how Civil War did everything right that Batman vs. Superman did wrong. I mean, it's, it's just night and day, but they did such a great job of balancing all the characters. Like it was great to see Ant-Man show up, but you don't need a lot of Ant-Man, but they utilized him just enough. So you're like, Oh yeah, this guy's back. He's funny. We like him. You know, he can do some cool stuff, but like he doesn't saturate the screen. Cause you don't need that. You know, that's not, that's not why we're at this movie. Um, and same with Spider-Man. Like he's, you know, he's kind of a little brat <laughs> in the movie, which is, which is great. But like they didn't, use him too much so that it was like overwhelming and like, okay, we got it. It's Spider-Man. We're, that's enough. I think they did a really good job with going back and forth with the characters and not overwhelming us with anyone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Karen. They did a great job. I think of using Spider-Man and Ant-Man for that punchy comic relief, right when you needed it. And that was the part of the movie where I was like, yes, like I was with it for the beginning. But then as soon as Paul Rudd shows up, I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which um, I was actually watching the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet last night. Okay. Paul Rudd is in that. Yeah. Is is he Tybalt? No. Who is he? He's uh, like the the prince guy. Oh, you're right. Yes. (laughs) He's he's Juliet's original suitor. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, as I'm watching it, I'm just like, oh, Paul Rudd. (laughs) Oh, Ant-Man. Like, even, I thought it was just a great juxtaposition when you see Tony go 
talk to Spider-Man, and it's like, okay, obviously he's keeping tabs on supers. Yeah. But then he goes to the prison and is talking to Ant-Man, and he's just like, no wonder Hank Pym hates you. Wait, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. Oh, I, I just thought it was brilliant, and I just get irritated because after six movies heavily featuring Tony Stark, he still is just an arrogant, narcissistic ass. Well, that was part of the whole thing with Civil War. It was all about him. He turned this whole tragedy from, um, in the comics, it was Damien's death, but in the movie, I think it was Charlie Spencer on that scene where he's talking to the mom and he just internalized that and it's all about him. Somehow, after this tragedy, a king of a foreign nation has died and it's still all about Tony. Yeah. And- but so I know I know Kenny, you had written on uh something on Facebook about uh you know, is th- is this really a Captain America movie? Is it really about Cap or is it about Tony? And like I I actually think like this is more of an Iron Man movie because it, it is about Tony and yeah, Bucky's here. And like, that's why it's, that's why it's about cat. But like, I mean, this, the narrative follows like Tony in the, in this film. Like, and I, I get what you're saying about Tony, not necessarily developing, but like cap doesn't really either. Like he starts out the movie and ends the movie in the same place pretty much in terms of like where his mind is at. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting that, that, they did so much with Iron Man in the Captain America movie. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? Because I didn't really get a lot of, like, Captain didn't grow very much. Yeah, I, I did I did think that they, stu- like, it was all about cult of personality a little bit with the two sides. Mm-hmm. And that, if mm-hmm. I had one issue with the movie, it was that it was, you know, with the factions and with what they were doing, it was about just kind of, who was on Tony's side and who was on Cap's side and not really about the ideology that had split them apart and, and the issues there. I mean, we see that with pretty much everyone. I mean, Ant-Man, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man pretty much specifically says, hey, I'm I'm here to impress Tony I'm Stark because he's pretty <laughs> awesome. And Ant-Man's like, wow, I'm meeting Captain America. I guess I'll go to jail forever. <laughs> cool. That's that was like the one missing piece for me, but I was kind of on board with that too. If they want to go there, I'd probably do go to jail for Captain America. He seems pretty awesome. Well, and it's, I mean, I know having read the comics, it's the individual comics are where you get character development, change, growth, the, the hero's journey, as it were, where you start out one way, you go through trials and tribulations and you come out forever changed. And really, the Aven- the Avengers mo- uh, comics are just fun, beat-up-the-bad-guy comics. And so, while I did think this had obviously more of an Avengers-type feel, just because you have so many uh, characters in one movie, I wasn't expecting a lot of character development, but the one that surprised me was Black Panther. Yeah, and what, oh. I guess it didn't bother me that they didn't develop because I felt like this movie was really showing us how they've already developed. Like, I enjoyed the fact that it, that if you'd started at the very beginning, I guess when these movies first started, you'd expect Captain America to be on the side of 
the United Nations and law and order and oversight. And Iron Man in his first movie basically just tells the governments to screw off. And this movie, while they didn't really develop in this movie, this movie really shows us and accents the fact that they've completely and totally changed from where they started. Iron Man is scared of what he did with Ultron and Captain America is scared of what happened with S.H.I.E.L.D. and now they've, they've flopped. Uh, that was pretty cool for me, even if it was a long time to not really change, just to show us what they've already done. Yeah, and I know at least a few of us are lawyers. <laughs> and I, I kind of wish they would have been a little bit more blatant with yeah. why holding people in prison without attorneys, without trials, is bad. Like, yeah, I wish they'd, they'd been far more direct with Captain America saying, hey, we tried this with S.H.I.E.L.D. and we all, and it really was really, really bad. And I don't want to do it anymore. And they weren't really overt. Yeah. Right. I guess my, my issue with Cap's motivation is that it starts out under, you know, he doesn't want to submit control to a governmental organization. And he makes these great points in the beginning. Like, what if there's a place we need to go and the U.N. doesn't let us go there? But then his motivation, like devolves into the Bucky thing again. <laughs> and I'm just, I understand that like Cap and Bucky have this great bromance and that's awesome. And this is his best friend, but that motivation for me, I'm just like, Oh God, again, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't love that. Then it becomes all about Bucky again. Um, and then the initial problems with the accords kind of gets pushed aside. You know, I mean, even if you had had Cap saying to Tony, like, there's a, a floating prison in the ocean. Like, this is a bad thing. Like what you were saying, Kenny, like having him come out and like sort of talk directly about that. It just, it just turns into the Bucky thing. Yeah. And it was really Iron Man. It, when the movie first started, he was obviously just trying to defend his decision and support the Accords. Mm -hmm. But then it turns into you killed my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, I get that that's a really emotionally charged moment, but also <laughs> like Tony knows that Hydra had control of Bucky. Like it, we all know that, like, obviously he didn't do it like of his own volition. Like he was a, a trained soldier. Like even a few moments earlier, Tony refers to him, Hey, Manchurian candidate. Like I understand that that's like a big thing to reveal, but this is a little much, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. That that part of the movie in particular felt really clunky to me. Like you had that set up at the beginning with the weird like Tony Stark TED Talk thing, and I was like, "What is this?" And then you finally get that payoff later, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah." It didn't it didn't work all that well for me. I wouldn't instead really. That, oh, go ahead, Taylor. I was just gonna say instead of that big reveal at the end, I would have liked to see someone switch sides and come to the realization that, Oh, I'm on the wrong side because of this, that, and the other thing. And B black widow kind of did that, but yeah. in the comments, the whole issue was that discovery of self and what do you really believe in? And in the comics, I think it's more about uh Spider-Man changing sides from Iron Man to Captain America, mm -hmm. which clearly can't do in this type of movie with the new Spider-Man. But just with that, reveal it just seemed kind of cheap to me that oh bucky killed iron man's parents huh which when did everyone catch that reveal was it when it was revealed because i had it a little bit earlier 
I think that I, I honestly don't think that I put two and two together until, until they started showing the video. And I was like, Oh, this is going to go back to his parents, isn't it? But I didn't, that, that was not on my focus. No. Yeah. I didn't catch it until. Yeah. (laughs) Mike. Yeah, no, it was a surprise. In fact, I kind of liked the ending scene just in the sense that they didn't do, not to constantly rag on Batman v Superman, but they didn't end up doing what I expected to do, which was they, oh, here's this big bad monster that's going to destroy the world if we don't just get on the same side and we never actually have to deal with any of our issues. It was, it ended with still being Captain America versus Iron Man, and it was a little artificial, but um, I, I like the fact that they didn't pull back and just have, here's some super soldiers, we have to fight them together. Yeah, that that I actually thought was a really good twist, and it you know it ended up being Zemo was the big bad, and his only goal was to turn the Avengers against each other, and he succeeded. Like, yeah. okay, but so I think Zemo was, in my opinion, the weakest part of the movie because he's sort he's not really needed, you know, and t- they're already fighting with each other and, and amongst themselves up to the end. And then even when you get this big reveal, like sure, then that's the individual battle between Tony, Steve and Bucky, but like Zemo didn't even have to exist in this movie for them to be fighting each other. So by the time you get to the end and he's like, ah, oh, my evil plot all along was to have them destroy each other. It's just like, well, I mean, we didn't really need you for that, man. Like they're doing that themselves. So my question, my deep burning question out of this whole movie, and I have my own thoughts, but I wanted to hear what you guys think. Who was he talking to on the other end? Who was that female voice? I think that was his wife. I think he was listening to the last voice message that she left him. That's I think because it was the same message that he kept playing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then they cut to a scene where it says message deleted Mm -hmm. right before he tries to kill himself. Uh, I was hoping it was Red Skull's daughter. That That's would be the only cooler. thing I could think of in my mind. I was just hoping it was her. Or her. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. But so I, I, I wanted to touch back on this. I actually there was three flashbacks. Um, the one where you f- and each time you see a little bit more of the scene. I figured out that okay, Bucky killed. Tony's parents at the second flashback, which which I think is like an hour into the movie, and the ultimate reveal comes at about the two hour fifteen minute mark, like right at the end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they had kind of been building that. If I had paid attention more in the first fifteen twenty minutes, it would have been kind of easy to pick up on that because Tony says. Their car never made it to the airport, and obviously the Winter Soldier is attacking a car, so I probably mm-hmm. should have put two and two together on that one. But I kind of disagree with you, Rachel, because I think Zemo knew that just the Accords weren't going to cause unbreakable or, I'm sorry, unreconcilable differences. They were, at some point, it was going to lead to the comic book ending where Cap sees the destruction and just signs on to the Accords. But Or retire. Or retire. But I think 
Zemo's plan in making it personal, you know, giving Bucky this unforgivable sin of killing Tony's mom, which I also appreciate how he said, you killed my mom, not you killed my parents. Yeah. I, that. That was, I just thought that was awesome. So I think that was essentially the straw that made that made everything unforgivable. I, I, I agree, but I guess my issue is that, I mean, it kind of paints Zemo up as like this evil genius who's like able to like plot out like so far in advance, like what's going to happen. Like, you know, he starts out this quest, presumably like right after Sokovia, like just to get vengeance. And yet somehow he has like, the foresight to like plan out this entire scheme to like have them end up in Siberia. Like, it's just a little much for me. Like, I just, I, I'm not saying it was a bad part of the movie. I'm just saying that I don't even, I think that if they hadn't had him in there, like it still would have worked for me as a film. Okay. But maybe at two hours and not two hours, 40. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are some other reactions? What did other people feel about the film? Well, can I ask that you started with making sure that we all liked the movie and <laughs> there was there was no disagreement there, so we're not going to disagree with each other. But is there like a strong feelings on on team team Stark and team Rogers? It, it, maybe we'll have disagreement there. I mean, we are a lot of, a lot of layers, but <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I think I think I guess I'll start since I asked the question. But I think like Tony is is kind of crazy. And we've talked about that a little bit. Like he's clearly got some PTSD issues. And then at the end he goes nuts, but I think it's kind of balanced out or I felt like it was balanced out by him being right. Like he's clearly, it's all about him. He's arrogant. He's being a jerk. Like he always is, but I felt like he was right. And I, then I felt like Steve Rogers was being a reasonable person and like understandable from a personal perspective, but that in the big picture, you know, my opinion, he was wrong. That helped balance it out. But I mean, I don't know if other people disagree. Yeah, I, I'm actually Team Iron Man, which is, <laughs> I went into it thinking I'd be Team Captain America. <laughs> I, I, I don't agree with the floating prison in the middle of the ocean. However, I, you know, I understand the the need for accountability and some sort of oversight, and I do think in this universe left to their own devices, like the Avengers can really mess some stuff up. And so I, I totally get where Tony's coming from and I I'm team Iron Man. I would have to disagree with you there. I'm team Captain America through and through. And I think it really just comes down to the point of every government organization, shield, Hydra, whatever big brother type organization you have, there's going to be corruption. There's going to be those agendas that get taken in. And when you have the power of either a Captain America, Spider-Man, Iron Man, I think it falls to the individual to do what's right. And if you do end up breaking the law or destroying a building, then you have to pay the consequences. But the crime or the act has to come before the punishment. And I think in the accords, just kind of making them making all superpower beings kind of follow suit and obey the United Nations. I just think that that's very naive of Iron Man to think that things aren't going to go south quickly. 
All right. I was going to say I'm team cat, but you guys make some convincing arguments here. So uh, I'm team give Black Widow her own movie. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like I I try not to do the thing where like I actually uh, apply my real life beliefs to my uh, superhero comics. (laughs) But when I do that, yeah, no, I'm for regulation. And it comes out much more in the comics than it did in the movie. But when I read the Civil War comics, which I did pretty recently there. I just saw so many Sandy Hook parallels and I have really strong feelings about that. So there's, you know, real world. I'm team Iron Man uh, comics. I'm team cap. <laughs> and, and I, at this stage in the game, I'm team Iron Man because I think it needs regulation and it needs regulation quickly. However, I Obviously, I think due process is important, and we can't just hold these supers in prison indefinitely without trial. I think that's absolutely against everything that they stand for and this country stands for and what the world should stand for. But as much as we say that Tony Stark is narcissistic and has the wrong point of view going he's making this very very personal captain america does not check his he doesn't check why he thinks the way he's thinking and real quick when i was when i first read the comics tony stark was obviously the bad guy in the comic books and i was (laughs) so young and naive and starry-eyed that i was like team captain america forever Um, but if you look at Avengers Age of Ultron, when Scarlet Witch, uh, casts her spell and makes everybody see their worst nightmares, Tony Stark's worst nightmare is all of his friends are dead, aliens are taking over the world, and it's his fault. Captain America's worst nightmare is the war being over is him not having a fight to fight. And we talk about Bucky being the Winter Soldier, because that's his his uh, nickname. But Steve Rogers really is a Winter Soldier. He needs a fight. He will fight through the winter, because that's the only thing he knows how to do. And so I don't think he ever goes back and says to himself, why am I opposed to these accords? And I think when you boil it down, it's not that the punishments are too severe or lack of due process. It's because he's worried it's going to end his fight. Right. I think that's true. And I, I think that that sort of harkens back to the theme of the last Captain America movie, Winter Soldier, which was really him trying to figure out where he fit in, in the, in the current world. Um, and then obviously being disillusioned by discovering that Hydra had infiltrated shield and all that. But I think that that's a really good point, Kenny, that, you know, he, he, he still comes from a different mentality and I don't, I don't think Captain America wants to personally be subject to those regulations. Like I think it, I think for him, it's, it's more than just like the organization being subject to the UN. It's that, he wants to be able to do whatever he wants. 
um, because that's he's a soldier and he thinks he's doing the right thing all the time. Um, but but I, I think I think that you're absolutely right about that. And, and even though Tony is the the narcissistic billionaire, he's actually deep down, I think some of his motivations are better than Cap's. Well, and, and Tony keeps saying that we fight to end the fights. Mm-hmm. His goal is to end the fights. Steve Rogers' goal is to win the fights. Right. He wants there always to be a fight, but he wants to always win it. Right. And, I, I mean, Tony, the, the talk about Tony making it personal, I mean, obviously, Steve's whole motivation in this movie ends up being extremely personal because it ends up about Bucky. You know, at, at a certain point, it's like, well, these people are coming after my friend. I have to defend my friend. And then, like, all rational thought goes out the window. And, like, he kicks back into soldier mode and he has to fight his way through everything. And, I mean, there are direct references to that when Black Widow asks him, like, do you really want to punch your way out of this? And, of course, the answer is yes. You know, he has to because of this very personal reason. Well, yeah, he says – she's like, are you ever going to stop? Mm-hmm. no. Right. But if he had not acted, do you really think that Winter Soldier would have made it to a trial? Black Panther was hot on his trail. Anyone else who had that shred of false evidence that he was the one responsible for the bombing, he, Bucky would have ended up dying and for no reason. And Cap knew that his – friend whether it was his friend or just some other citizen that there's reasonable doubt and so he had to react to prevent the big government who already has the authority on coming down really really hard on someone who may or may not had done this terrible act and it ended up it wasn't him so if that hadn't reacted where, where would that have led the plot but but what reason did Cap actually have to believe that he didn't do it other than his word? Like, they, you know, they have this image. Obviously, it ends up being that that has been um, that that image is false because of the prosthetics and all that. But, you know, that Bucky is like a crazy uh, soldier who is being mind controlled at some point um, that he's been out on the loose. And there's this image that suggests that Bucky was the one to uh cause the damage and death in Vienna. But then Bucky says, oh, but I really didn't do it. It wasn't me, man. And Captain America's like, all right, that's enough. I mean, that's that was also my issue with it. It's just like he obviously we know in the end that like it ends up not being Bucky, but like he just he's so blinded by his friendship for Bucky that he just takes that at his word and will fight hell or high water to to defend him based on nothing more than that. Well, I'll give you that, that it's reasonable doubt, but, and I'm not a lawyer, but aren't you innocent until proven guilty? In a trial, yes, but in terms of, you know, the, the vigilantes coming after him, and in terms of Black Panther even coming after him, I mean, I'm not saying that it would have been right for Black Panther to kill him, but, um, but the evidence that they all had at the time was that this was Bucky that did it. Yeah, Black Panther was not going to sit around and wait for a trial. He's no. going to be like, I'm going to use my sharp little cat claws and claw your eyes out. <laughs> um, I don't want to hijack into another area, but also how great were like all of Falcon's one-liners. Like, so you like cats, huh? <laughs> 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 I thought that was great. Oh, uh, speaking of Falcon, what I think would have added a lot to the movie and to Iron Man's motivations would have been uh, had Rhodey died. I wanted Rhodey to die. I didn't yep. want him to die, but I thought he was going to die. 
Well, all all the trailers made it seem like he was going to die. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that Vision had such terrible aim. Right. <laughs> I can't believe it. You are this superpowered being who was created by a mad genius robot and you're sentient and you have one unibeam that goes straight. How did you miss that? Well, Falcon dodged. But like, then, but, to, but Tony says something to him later and he says, you know, I thought you didn't get distracted. And Vision goes, yeah, I didn't think that I did either. Like, so I didn't know what we were supposed to take from that. Like, are we supposed to, was it supposed to be like, uh, you know, reference to like this, whatever sort of relationship he has with Wanda, obviously in the comics, you know, they fall in love and all that stuff. Is, this, is that supposed to be like a reference to that, that he had just, he and he and Wanda had just been talking and, you know, he's feels so bad about, you know, whatever he did to her. And I, I didn't, I didn't understand that either. Like why he got distracted as he says. It's possible. That's what I took from it. Yeah. I, I might. I'm hopefully going to talk the wife into going to see it tonight, so I will pay special attention to that. Yeah, and as someone, well, like, I don't have any comic knowledge in this in this storyline, and that's definitely what I took from it. Is I thought they did a great job with with Wanda and, and Vision in their story, and then it seemed like he was really distracted by having to fight her, and so I was on board. The smoochy smooch robot hormones. <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed the one thing that I and. This kind of goes across the movie, I, and maybe I'm just a big softy, and I don't like seeing my characters fight with each other and my protagonists fight with each other. But when Rhodey does fall there, I, I would have had some emotional satisfaction. I know that Falcon is trying to save him, but if, if he's not going to die, if it's because something that Falcon does there at the last minute, whether he barely catches him and slows him down for a brief moment or, or some kind of moment that, that shows that even though they're all fighting with each other, they, they, really, they really don't want to kill each other. Yeah, or... Even had Falcon swooped under him at the last minute and softened the fall. Exactly. And that way, maybe they both are a little injured because of it. Uh, But, I mean, I actually got from the movie that none of them wanted to be fighting. Especially with Black Widow and Hawkeye. Where she's like, we're still friends, We're still friends. (laughs) And then I did enjoy how Scarlet Witch was like, you're pulling your punches. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think I think the best scene of the movie was the the airport fight. Like just everything oh, about yeah. that scene was so great. Oh, yeah. um, you know the and Spider Man was so great during that fight. And I think it was Falcon who says, "I don't know how many fights you've been in before, but there's usually not this much talking." <laughs> <laughs> well, so I. And just Tom Holland is was so great as Spider Man. He just he's he really stole the show, and I can't wait for his standalone movie. I disagree with you about him stealing the show because I thought that Black Panther totally stole the show. Like I thought, I mean, that I I'll go see the Spider Man movie, sure, but like I want the Black Panther movie like now. Like, I want to know more about this guy. He's awesome. His powers are awesome. His costume's awesome. His character seems really cool. He's perfectly cast. Like, bring it on. I'm ready. Will nobody else see Giant Ant-Man? This was clearly all about Giant (laughs) (laughs) Ant-Man. Well, okay. So you obviously don't have the connection to Spider-Man that I do. Like, (laughs) Spider-Man, outcast in high school, 
like desperately wanted to be one of the cool kids, but just couldn't do it. And in this movie, like a, he even says, he's like, I want to play football. I want to be on the football team, but I can't because me before couldn't. And I almost started crying in the theater because it was very much like, here's this kid who knows he can't take advantage of his powers, so now he's got to still be the same old loser outcast. I agree with you, Kenny. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was heartbreaking. I agree with you with that take on Spider-Man and the lines that were said, but I'd have to side with Rachel a little bit more because you've had five chances to make a good (laughs) Spider-Man movie and you kind of have a cop out where you introduce him to civil war to make sure it's got that wow factor. And I, I I also thought that that just kind of cheapened the Spider-Man character. If you're going to have this great Spider-Man and you're going to have a new movie and really play on what makes him so unique being the first teenage superhero non-sidekick. I like that, but at the same time, it was just kind of like, oh, what can we do to really sell this movie and make it all tie together? Oh, let's throw Spider-Man in there. Okay. First of all, Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 were amazing. (laughs) All right. They were good. (laughs) Tobey Maguire nailed it on both those. Spider-Man no. 3 was complete crap, and then I don't even know what amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 were. Andrew Garfield being a loner loser skateboarding in a warehouse <laughs> is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, would, I, I think that the Tobey Maguire movies were good. They were good, and I, obviously, Kenny, I defer to you as to like what makes a good Spider-Man adaptation, but I think what gives me hope for the Tom Holland adaptation is that it seems like this is going to have that punchiness that was present in the comics. And even, I mean, Spider-Man three is a whole different story, but even in the first two, like there's comic relief, but Tobey Maguire is still a little bit emo, you know, a little bit like sad kid and not so much that like, you know, punchy, funny Spider-Man that I think we would like to see. So even though, I mean, they were good at the time, I'm hopeful that this new line will be better. Well, yeah, and from what we've seen, I think it's relatively safe to say, but the thing is, Spider-Man has always been the witty, punchy, snarky superhero. Peter Parker is kind of a whiny little sad sack, because he knows that he has to be this nerd loser outcast, and that's why he has such a hard time, at least in the high school ones, before he gets Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane, That's it's kind of the same feel that I got from Tom Holland, which was just, I have to still be this loser, even though I'm a freaking badass now. Silence. <laughs> You've convinced us all. Yes. We're all on board for the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Uh, But I'm also really excited about the Black Panther movie. Speaking about the Black Panther movie, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about where the MCU is going. And 
there's no better way to do that than with the Black Panther movie. So what are we are what are we all expecting out of that movie? Since Rachel awesomeness. has a, yeah, since Rachel has a hard on for it, why doesn't she go first? <laughs> well, so so actually, I don't know anything really about the Black Panther in comics. Um, so I'm very curious, and obviously, like we already talked about on this podcast, like we don't need an origin story from him. So I'm curious about where it's gonna go. I'm also curious. I really. I want to know where the Avengers are going to go from here because so the next movie is guardians two, which obviously, you know, we're probably not going to see anybody from this universe in that one. Um, and then I think that the next one, and I should know this cause I wrote it in the preview, but I don't remember exactly. Um, and then I think there's a new Thor movie. So like maybe we'll get somebody from the Avengers and then, um, and then I think Spider-Man is the next one in 2017. So I'm just curious about like how much exposure we're going to have to the Avengers leading up to Infinity War because Infinity War isn't until the end of 2018, right? So I mean, what's going to happen in the next 2 years? Like are we going to Oh, and I forgot about, about Doctor Strange, but I'm curious as to how much we're going to see from these protagonists in all these standalone movies. Hmm. Yeah, hold, I I pulled it up. It's a uh, Guardians 2, then Spider-Man and Thor in 2017. 2018 is Black Panther, Ant-Man, and Avengers Infinity War. I I honestly think we are going to have some, some crossover. I think it might be very small and in, like, the post-credits cutscenes. Yeah, I could see that. I was actually surprised that there wasn't any buildup for Doctor Strange in this movie, like, at all. Like, I thought maybe there'd be, like, a reference or something. Oh, other than the awesome trailer? <laughs> yes, other than the awesome trailer. So, I don't know if we all saw the same trailers, um, but, like, that, like, everything was great, and then there's, like, the Blake Lively fights a shark movie, and I'm like, why are we seeing a preview for this in front of Civil War? Like, can we please go back to the good trailers? You saw Blake Lively fighting a shark? That's a movie. Yeah, it's coming out. The it's, it's called the. Sh- yeah. No, it's not. It's not called Blake Lively fighting a shark. I feel like that'd be a great movie. Though. <laughs> I mean, it'd be very direct about what it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, no, 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 go ahead. I was just say, on that point where you were saying like mixing them in. One thing I that makes me think that Civil War actually did set up nicely that I didn't think of until now is that it it does help diffuse in each one of these individual movies the constant background of why aren't we calling all the other Avengers you've introduced this kind of global politics so that when Ant-Man goes off to do something or, you know, it's going to be a little bit believable, at least to me, or more believable or more understandable that Iron Man isn't just like dropping in on the scene and everything. Everyone's going to be cautious. Captain America's in, you know, hiding and is an outlaw and everything else. So I think that that's one advantage to having this movie at this point in the sequence that I hadn't really thought about in, in the larger Marvel universe is it does help diffuse what was becoming a bigger and bigger issue in each individual movie, which is where is everybody else? Uh, I, I think that helps. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. And that, that it has been a flaw in like previous movies. Like that, I think that was a flaw in, in winter soldier. Um, we were all kind of like, you know, where, where, where's the Hulk in this movie? Like, why isn't he just like, why isn't he here? But now, you know, obviously, and he's still, missing of course and it'll be interesting to see like if cap is in the black panther movie like maybe a reference to him like if he's hanging out wakanda for whatever reason um i don't know well 
Okay, so here's kind of my thoughts on everything. First, now I'm going I'm to save that till the end. First, I do think they did set up for the Black Panther movie where Cap is like, you know they're going to come for him. Is he talking about the Avengers and Tony Stark? Is he talking about Hydra or is he talking about somebody? So I do think the Black Panther movie is going to be Bucky gets defrosted and it's Black Panther and Bucky versus somebody. I don't think it'll be the Avengers. I think it will be uh, Hydra. But I believe the way they're bringing in Guardians of the Galaxy into Infinity Wars is via Doctor Strange. I think Stephen Strange... does something to get the Guardians of the Galaxy to Earth. So I do think there is going to be some crossover this November with next May. So do you think that maybe, like, Doctor Strange sets up somehow, like him coming into contact with the Guardians, and then maybe at the end of the next Guardians movie, like, we'll see them, like, coming into our unit, like, into where we are? Yes. Yeah, and that would... Yeah, that would make sense. And it would also make sense because we believe that Star-Lord's father is human, right? I think. No. And he's in the next. No, he's oh, not? He's an alien. Oh, okay. Forget that then. Yeah, his uh, his mother was human. That's right. He was not. And um, Merle from The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, blue-faced Merle. Uh, blue-faced Merle. Mentioned something about it at the end of Guardians. But I do. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is going to end with all the Guardians on Earth meeting the Avengers or whoever. Well, so that would be cool. But then remember, we still have uh, another Thor movie and another and the Spider-Man movie between Guardians and Infinity War. So, so then you fall back to the same issue. Like you kind of have to explain, like, well, why aren't they part of these other movies? I don't, know. I, just, I don't know if the Guardians will meet the Avengers at the end of the next movie. They might save that for Infinity War. Well, I think what I think is going to be happening is th- this next phase, essentially, Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, Spider-Man, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther are all essentially going to be happening at the same time. Okay. And so I think all of them are going to end at the same point in time, which will be essentially the beginning of Infinity War. And that was kind of how I... I always explained the, the the lack of presence, too. I always just sort of assumed that, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier and Iron Man 3 were pretty much the same time, and so they were all really busy with their own stuff. Yeah. But I, I actually met, while I was waiting in line to see the movie, I met a, uh, a girl who works for an editing company here in L.A., and she, for fun, <laughs> for fun, leading up to, I want to say it was The Avengers, she cut the first 
movies, the uh, phase one, into chronological order. So wow. it, it starts with, like, the preview part of Thor. Like, the first, wow. like, minute and a half of Thor goes into a bunch of, like, the beginning of Captain America, which is World War Two, And then she just did that for all the movies. Wow. And I'm like... That's intense. I'm like, A, you might have too much time on your hands. <laughs> and B, do you still have that and can you send it to me? <laughs> but so I would actually like to see that with the Phase 2 and the Phase 3 movies. See how they are. Uh, see how they work chronologically. So here's another question uh, leading up to Infinity War. Um, so I, we have two... Infinity Stones left that we haven't seen, the Soul Stone and the Time Stone. So do we think that those are both going to pop up in some of the, either the standalone movies or Guardians before Infinity War, or are we not going to see them all until Infinity War? The only way I see Thor Ragnarok happening is with the Time Stone, with Ragnarok being this epic battle to end all battles. You still need a Thor to be in Infinity War. So what better way to do that than just the, oh, you know, we're just going to rewind time, have it all happen, didn't happen, whatever. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Uh, and the other one's the Soul Stone. I don't know when that'll come up, but. I I, I want to say one has to work with Doctor Strange. Like, there's just all this mysticism and magic and stuff that it wouldn't surprise me if one of them show up in that. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't even really be surprised if it sh if something showed up somehow in the Black Panther movie because he makes this reference in uh, Civil War about how you know in my culture death isn't the end and like this idea that like you know you transcend into something else, um, which is, sounds mystical and magical too. They could be referencing the soul. Mm -hmm. Or they could just completely surprise us and just drop it into the second season of Jessica Jones. <laughs> that would be awesome well what the rumor is well originally they were planning on bringing all those together they're actually now focused on like the daredevil jessica jones luke cage dark universe the universe that they curse in and have sex in um <laughs> that those are going to be very distinct and not do a lot of crossover, if any. And then the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Humans are going to be a separate thing from the cinematic universe. So I don't know how much crossover is going to be happening in the future. Yeah, I do enjoy that, like, that dark universe, as you call it, as kind of like a... Like the only crossover being the ramifications of the large scale destruction. Like these are the people who kind of wander around and, and they, they have to clean up the mess on a very on a much lower level after the Avengers have flattened New York and then move on. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, we, it was mentioned earlier, but I'm super excited for the Black Widow movie. Yes. <laughs> I, I hope that they actually. They said they're committing it, committing to it. That was. The, I don't think it's scheduled officially. Yeah. yeah. I'm I also super. 
I'm super excited about the Captain Marvel movie, which I have, I don't know if they're going to hint at her before that movie drops or if it's just going to be cold, but I think that one's going to be good. So Karen, what what are your thoughts on having Ronda Rousey play Captain Marvel? I, you know, I'm just happy that it's, that it's Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and whoever they want to cast, I'm cool with it. Well, actually, that's that's not true, but I'm just really thrilled that it's Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's 2019, if I if I remember correctly. So they definitely have some time to set that up oh, beforehand. Yeah. yeah, maybe she'll be set up in the Avengers next Avengers movie. Well, and that's in the recent comics. She crosses over with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy a bit too. So I don't know oh, whether they won't do any anything there. Well, I just read the the free comic book day issue zero of Civil War two. <clears throat> oh yeah. No, I it's it. I'm I'm not excited about it at all. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be Captain Marvel versus Iron Man. Huh. And I'm just kind of like, first of all, you just did Secret Wars. If anyone follows the Marvel comic books, which was essentially their way of rebooting their universe. And now they're doing another Civil War. And I'm like, OK, guys, I'm done with this. Just what? What's the main conflict in that then? Um, in Civil War 2? Yeah. From the way the little seven-page issue that was given out for Free Comic Book Day ended, it just looks like uh, Rhodey dies because he was helping out Captain Marvel, and I'm assuming Tony's going to get pissed and be like, You killed my friend! Cool. Sounds great. Well, he does seem to have a track record. But uh, I I am really, like, I was talking to somebody else about this. Marvel does a really good job of incorporating different genres into each of their movies. Like, you had uh, Captain America the First Avenger, which was, like, a great World War II movie. Then you have the Thor movies, which are Norse mythology and a little bit of magic and, like outer-worldly stuff. Then you've got Guardians, which are aliens and alien-type movies. So I'm really looking forward to the Black Widow, because I think she's going to be a great, like, 007-type spy. Yes! Yeah, I'm definitely on board with that. I just, I want them, I want them to do it sooner rather than later. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it's... it's... Go ahead. Oh, well, um, so this was kind of it's on the right. It's on the same track. But I, what do you all think about like the production schedule? As like as it stands right now, it's like about three movies per year. Um, Two over the next. Well, no. So next year there's three. 2018 there's three. I think there's three in 2019. Do you do you think that that's too much? Because what somebody that I went to the movies with this morning made the comment about because I said, oh, you know, both Spider-Man and Black Panther are getting their own movies, and this is someone I I don't know how closely he follows. Uh, the MCU, but he was like, they're really pumping these out. Like it's going to, it's going to feel oversaturated. And I was like, I started to try to defend it, but then I realized it's a longer conversation. So I thought I'd put it out to you guys, what you thought about the production schedule. Um, here's the thing on its own. I think it's great. 
Because, yeah, I can go see three superhero movies a year, and I think that's great. When you combine that with everything DC is trying to do, everything Fox has, and then everything Sony has, it makes things a little difficult. Like, there's going to be another huge comic book movie in, what, three weeks? Yeah. <laughs> with X-Men Apocalypse? So, yeah. that, and at some point we're going to have a Deadpool sequel. So, I mean, I've always been a Marvel guy, so I'll see almost anything Marvel. I haven't cared to see Batman vs. Superman yet. I've read about it, and I, I know what happens, and I've gotten the gist out of that. But I'm like, you guys have no reason to get my money. Exactly. <laughs> whereas, whereas something like Civil War... I usually go to bed at 9 p.m. and I stayed up till 3 a.m. to see the midnight <laughs> showing, like on a Thursday. <laughs> That's so. I think the market for uh, uh, comic book movies is getting oversaturated, but I'll still always prioritize uh, Marvel Studios stuff. Yeah, I just hope that Marvel keeps. I mean, I, I hope they will. I think they will, that they keep the quality up with all the movies. I mean, especially when comic book movies sort of had this resurgence. Obviously, there were a lot of stinkers that, like, <laughs> happened early um, early on when these began, like Ben Affleck's Daredevil and the Fantastic Four that came out however long ago with Jessica Alba. And, I mean, obviously, the new Fantastic Four was also terrible. But, I mean, I think Marvel's done a good job of producing high-quality films, and I think especially compared to – um, the other production companies. I think the new X-Men movies are great so far. I'm a little worried about Apocalypse, but that's a different story. Uh, but, I mean, obviously compared to DC, I think Marvel's winning this this battle right now. I just hope that they keep it up and they don't sacrifice quality for just pumping out the movies and making money. Yeah, for sure. Anyone else? Mike Taylor? I, I, I've heard, and I don't, I don't know enough about the history of, of film, but I've heard a lot of comparisons to the Western era and kind of this era when just Westerns fill out. And I, I sort of feel like if the superhero era of movies plays itself out, it'll be kind of a matter of time at less saturation. Like, you know, okay, we'll have this 20 year era or whatever it is. So while we're in it, I'm, I'm all on board as many as you can get. It, it, it does feel kind of overwhelming especially when you add in the other sort of, I guess, you know, nerd culture movies like Star Wars and Star Trek that are also pumping them out. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that if they were doing two a year or even one a year, there, there'd come a time when it'll come to an end. So let, let's get it all in while we can. That's a good point. As long as nerds keep having kids, I don't see this ending. <laughs> uh, with every new generation, you'll get more kids interested in the sci-fi superhero or um, the spy superhero. So there's just so much you can do. So it doesn't feel like a superhero movie you're watching. It just seems like a superhero that just happens to be in this spy movie, sci-fi movie, whatever type of movie. Now it'll be interesting if they bring in a Western type character, because that might spell the end of days there. But, I think we'll end up with less than three a year from the big companies 
uh, especially with Deadpool, then you're looking at an X-Force movie and that brings in Cable. So that's a whole nother ball game. But I think what's really going to end up screwing over everyone that likes the movies or the ones that are producing them is all of the crossover and just trying to keep the continuity aligned and making sure you're not confusing viewers. I mean, we had two Quicksilvers within the span of what year? So I think that's what's really going to end up screwing the pooch there. But I, overall, the success these made and all the money it's brought in, I don't see this ending in the next couple decades. Well, I think what's going to be really telling is whether or not they keep telling good stories. Right. Civil War was a good story. You know, uh, Avengers was a good story. Age of Ultron <laughs> lacked some execution. You know, um, the original Thor was really good. Thor the Dark World, again, not great. So I think as long as the stories are good and engaging and they place they place value on telling a good story and not let's see how many stars we can cram in to one movie. I think everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I do. I tend to agree with that. I think, um, I think one thing I, re- I do really like about these movies is I think that they, in an, in an age where like we obviously have so much entertainment on our TVs, on Netflix and even Marvel entertainment, like, these movies are like the reason why you go to the, the theater. You know, I mean, of course they're still enjoyable in your home, but like you want to go, you want to get out, you want to see them at the movies. And I think that as long as I think that's helpful for the entertainment industry to like keep producing quality movies that like people want to go see and that keep break, breaking records. And so, um, but I think it's like you said, as long as there are stories, people will come and watch them and that's good. Yeah. I totally agree that like the big movies are, they're the events that, you know, you're not just sitting at home binge watching something on Netflix, you're going. And I, I chose my theater in hopes that, you know, there was going to be a crowd that was really into it. And, you know, I got there and there were folks wearing Captain America shirts and I was really excited. And then we were like a pretty mellow audience and I was no. bummed because I wanted people <laughs> clapping when Black Panther showed up. And honestly, my favorite uh, audience reaction was when Cap kissed what's her Carter Sharon. Yes. Yeah. Some guy behind me goes, ew. (laughs) Like a 12 year old. And I was like, yes, you, sir. (laughs) But like, it's that group experience that I think that that's really fun. I like that a lot. (laughs) I did appreciate how they changed her from Peggy's daughter to her niece just to lessen the squick factor. A little less. <laughs> Didn't that kiss um, seem a little forced, though? Yes. Oh, God, totally. It was the worst. Okay. Well, I don't think it would have felt that way had... When was the last time everyone watched uh, First Avenger? First? Was, oh, my God. I don't even know. Because there was some decent... Yeah, sec- yeah there was some decent sexual attention between the two of them in that movie. No, wait, what are you talking? You're talking about him and Peggy. No. It's Sharon. Oh, Sharon across, across the hall. Sharon's, Sharon's in Winter Soldier. 
Oh, then the, yes. My apologies. Yeah. No, yeah. There's definitely tension between the two of them, but then, like, you know, they go their separate ways, and Cap's dealing with Sokovia, and then, like, she comes back in his life, and he's like, well, I guess I better kiss you before I drive off. Like, it just seemed weird. <laughs> um, also, that scene has the best line of the movie, where Bucky is behind Falcons and says, can you move your seat up? <laughs> <laughs> And then he says no, and then so Bucky scoots over. Scoots over, yes. Uh, okay, so I have kept y'all for about an hour, and I think we're going to start to wrap up. So going in reverse order of introductions, so Mike, Taylor, Karen, Rachel, any last thoughts? I, I, this came up earlier, so I'll just vote in support on you, Kenny, that uh, I was ready for someone to die, and I think the one thing that concerns me about the, the maintaining the Marvel Universe going forward is they got to start bring, to bring in the new guard. they got to be willing to let some of the, the old people go, and I'm ready, oh. to, ready to see some, some ramifications, permanent ramifications in these movies the next couple of years. Yes, bring back Joss Whedon or bring in George R.R. R. Martin just to kill <laughs> George R. R. Martin would take 20 years to write the next Avengers movie. We don't want that to happen. But it would be worth it. What it? I don't know anymore. Maybe. No, I, overall, I think Civil War was very well done, mainly just because it wasn't Avengers 3, but there were so many characters in there, and it really was Captain America versus Iron Man at the core. You had your outliers and your people that played their crucial parts, but at the end of the day, it was still that movie to um, what makes it good. And like you were saying, Kenny, earlier about telling a good story, moving forward with the Doctor Strange and the Guardians and Spider-Man Thor and Black Panther, I just hope they can balance everything. And one huge issue that comic book publishers and writers have come across is just the continuity and trying to push out too much too fast. And that's when we get these big crossover events and then they just destroy the whole universe and bring it back the way, however they want it. So I just hope they don't do that with the movies and with the success I think Civil War is going to have. It can pave the way to do things right. They just have to take the time to actually perform. I know I started out by saying I was really excited for the Spider-Man movie coming up, but I really think the movie I'm looking most forward to is Black Panther because I am ready for not a white dude-led <laughs> Marvel film. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's really exciting with ta Coates writing the book. And I am just, I'm ready. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think my last thoughts about this movie are just that it was just so fun. Like I, I give the filmmakers credit for balancing everything that they did, but they, this movie could have been like a real downer because there was so much serious stuff going on like Batman versus Superman, which was so depressing <laughs> and not fun at all. But this movie was, it was just so entertaining. Like even, even despite the, the serious subject matter, they did such a great job of lightening the mood and just really letting the viewer have fun, um, as they're watching the movie, I mean, you can't ask for anything better in a cinematic experience. I agree with that. So my final thoughts are this movie came in at really just the right time because I know I was kind of getting sick 
of seeing movies where the world or a world is in dire peril. And I think Marvel is doing a very good job of balancing that. I mean, we had Avengers where aliens were going to take over the world and destroy it. Avengers 2 where Sokovia was going to fall and destroy the world. Guardians of the Galaxy where Ronin was going to destroy that planet. And... And I, you know... Iron Man 3, where the guy wanted to take over the world, too, with his fire breath. Um, but what I loved, for example, Avengers 2, they were going to have this huge fight, and it was an all-out battle. But then you have, you follow that up two months later with Ant-Man, where the world is not in peril. It's just a guy trying to take over a company and make money. This, what I think really made this important and special for me, is that the world was not at risk. The Avengers were at risk. It was a very personal fight on a small scale, as in the world was not at risk. So that's one of my favorite things that this movie did. I think that's a really good point, and I think that had it had it been a large scale issue like with the infighting it wouldn't have it wouldn't have rang true i think it would have been hard for the viewer to accept like if it was like if it had gone the batman versus superman route and like there's this giant thing that's going to destroy the world destroy the city whatever i i don't think that the viewer would have accepted the battle between the individuals i think the viewer would have been like why aren't you guys just banding together like there's this big bad looming out there. So I, I think that you're right that it was very personal and I think it had to be to work. Yeah. Any last comments before we take off? I want a general Ross to turn into red Hulk. You want general Ross to turn into red Hulk. I was waiting for that type of a big reveal too, but that's a little side note. I still don't know why they're not planning an incredible Hulk standalone. Those movies are really tough, Kenny. Your face is really tough. No, I mean, (laughs) I like, I really like Hulk, but I think it's hard to create a compelling Hulk film. It's just my personal opinion. Even the Edward Norton one was good, but it wasn't great. I think he's supposed to have a fairly significant role in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Oh, really? Start doing that, kind of that, putting him in with Thor. Okay. I've, I've, I've heard that. I didn't know it was anything more than rumor. <laughs> All right. So I think we're going to leave it there. All right. Hope you enjoyed, Dragons. Again, if you loved what we said, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. If you hated what we said, um, we'd still love to hear from you on Twitter. But other than that, work out, nerd out. Let us know if we're completely off our rockers in our recap of this movie. As always, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Send me an email at ken at dumbbellsanddragons.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at dumbbellsanddragons. Connect with us on Twitter at dumbbellsdragon. Also, our theme song, Roll a D6 by Assorted Intricacies, can be found on iTunes, or you can listen to it on YouTube now.